0: when you hit 86 in november wow that's that's pretty memorable so uh but we will rejoice we will enjoy it we'll be glad in it so well thank you so much for being here today I have a uh, message for you about little foxes. Now, if you remember, last year, we, uh, last week, we talked about don't kill the rooster. The rooster being the Holy Spirit that kind of reminds us, hey. And when Peter heard that rooster crow, he repented. So today we're going to be talking about foxes. So see, you're getting an educational, not only biblical but biological, or what would that be, animal. Barnyard, there's got to be a better word than barnyard education, but we're going to be going over the animals in the Bible. No. So I have a question for you today. I know you've heard this many, many times, but do you believe that God has a purpose for your life? Do you believe that God has a purpose for your life? Now we know Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay, and I'm going to read it here. Because we even have it on our wall. But it says, for I know the plans I have for you. Now, we got to just stop right there for a second. For I know the plans I have for you. In fact, I'll tell you what. Let's do something we rarely do. Let's all read this together. And you'll notice that the word you appears twice in this passage. So when we read this together, when it comes to you, would you put in your name there? Okay. Can we do that? So we'll read it all together, because we're going to personalize this scripture. So let's start at the very beginning. Everybody read with me. For I know the plans that I have for... Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give a future and a hope. Now I'll tell you what, if you believe in writing your Bibles, this is a great scripture to put that and put your name in there, or to put... Someone that you are praying for. A family member that, that needs encouragement. So that when you're praying this scripture, you're praying it personal. Because I think we, we overall believe that God has a plan and a purpose. But if we really grasp what this scripture talks about, is that the creator of the universe, the architect of everything that exists, our cells, our fibers, our, our oxygen, everything, knows us created us, has a plan and a future for us, thinks about us all the time, guides and directs and leads us, and there's times we kind of just take that for granted. So when I ask you, do you know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and then we go to the passage, we have to personalize this, we have to internalize this and know that God has a plan. Do you wonder why God has a plan for all of our lives? Why God created? Have you ever asked God, why did you create me? Not just so that I can be a good employee or a good spouse or a good parent or son or daughter. But why did you create me, God? What is the plan? What giftings did you give me that you gave no one else? Why am I born at this time at this place? I think these are great questions you can pray and ask God. We need to understand why God created us. But we also have to be careful because there are a lot of untruths and lies that can be spoken to us that doesn't come from our Heavenly Father, but comes from other people. They can say things about us. They can say things or they can infer things about us that we pick up about who we are. And it changes our perspective on who we are and how God views us. You see, it's just as easy to believe the negative that people say about you as it is to believe the positive that God wants you to know about you. I'm going to say that one again, okay? It is just as easy to live in the negative that this world is trying to tell you about yourself as it is to believe in the positive that the God's word wants you to know about yourself. You see, the world's going to tell you that you are useless, that you have no value. If you don't do something for them, then why are you here? You're just a waste of, of skin. And God says, you're my precious. I love you. I think of you. In fact, our names are are even written in the palms. That's how much he knows and thinks about us. We have to stop thinking about the negative that people try to talk about us. You see, there's a standard. God's word is a standard. And this standard is at this point in all of our lives. This is what God's Word says about me. This is what God's Word says that as a child of the Most High God, this is the power and the authority that I have as a born-again believer. That I can have peace that passes all understanding. That He is my source, not my employer, but God is my source. He is my strength. He is my hope. He is my joy. He is my everything. At the name of Jesus, all sickness must bow. This is what the standard is that God has for us. Then some of us start operating because of those tr- untruths and lies that have been spoken. We start operating at, at this level in our lives. Well, I know that God is peace, but he hasn't been to my family on a holiday. <laughs> I mean, honestly, right? Come on, let's, 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 let's be real. I know that God heals, but it doesn't seem to happen to me. I've seen other people get healed. I know that God is joy, but I have not had a joyous year. I know that God is not the author of confusion, but man, has this been a confusing season in my life. Different levels based upon what we perceive, based upon God's Word, based upon negative thinking. See, negative thinking will bring you down from God's Word. You hang around with negative people, you will start becoming more negative. You start hanging around positive people and you'll get a little more peppy in your step, okay? It just happens. There are times when when if I'm going through kind of a, uh, a difficult time, I actually wanna be around people that not only are positive but are humorous. Because I know that if I can just start laughing, if I can just get that joy started back in, you can laugh at the problems. But if you wanna surround yourself with people that will always have more of the negative mindset like our culture has to do, it tends to lower our standards. You see, negative thinking tends to lead to lower self-esteem, all right? Lower self-esteem sets lower standards. You see, in the corporation that I work for during the week in software, they'll recognize exceptional behavior. We don't have a low self-esteem award in our company. You know, hey, I was the 1988 low self-esteem person. No, th- we don't have that award. We don't have an underperformance award. You know what they called? Unemployed, okay, that, that's, the, that's, your unemployed, that's your underperformance award that you get in our company. Low self-esteem leads to lower standards in our lives and we have to be careful about slipping standards, not only in our lives but in our culture because we are to reflect Christ in our culture. I'm taking this now back to why were we created, why are we here? Because there are slipping standards. Now, I want you to think about something. I'm not asking for anybody's age, but think about when you were a child. Now that could have just been eight years ago, that could have been 18 years ago, 28 years ago, 38 years ago, we don't have anybody older than that. Um, So you have anyone that, think about this, what was life like when you were a child? just take a second alright I'm gonna tell you in my life I rode my bike everywhere soon as school was out I was on that bike my dad had to replace I had the banana seat I don't even many of you know what a banana seat was yeah. but you could give friends rides with a banana seat I had a flag you know and don't don't judge me okay it was cool at the time alright but it had a flag alright and that flag would just blow in the wind all oh, the cool thing was to take playing cards and to put them in the spokes of your wheels so that when your wheels spun it made that you know and I mean how cool is that see ask uh, Auburn my social networking was called outside okay that was my social networking we went out and we just hung out and you played and you got people together and you played kickball and you stayed out until they called you back in but I thought about how I used to ride mile in fact the closest park to my house was about two miles away I couldn't imagine putting Auburn or any of my kids and saying hey just you know head down Green Oaks there when you get to I 30 hang a right ride your bike down there no life has changed So much has changed. Television has changed. Music has changed. Our culture has changed. What we accept has changed. And it has been very gradual, but it has been constant change. And we as a church accept that change. Things are very different. The Bible is cautioning us about change. Now, it's not saying that change isn't good, but it's cautioning us about it in our passage today out of the Song of Solomon chapter 2 verses 15 and it tells us this catch us the foxes the little foxes that spoil the vines for our vines have tender grapes now whenever you read through the song of solomon there is imagery. tree even though i can't say it it's in there there's a lot of imagery. thank you so much (laughs) There's a lot of that in the Song of Solomon. (laughs) And throughout the Word of God, there's scriptures that says that Jesus is the the vine and we are the branches. In Psalms 1, it talks about that a righteous person is like a tree of life planted by the rivers. There's a lot of reference to people being in reference to plants. But also, at the same time, If you study when this was written there were a lot of actual foxes and jackals in the land of Judea at this time. There were large foxes and little foxes. Now the large foxes were actually easier to take care of because the vineyard owners could see the large foxes and they could reach the grapes. But the little foxes were a lot harder. The reason why the little foxes were harder is that they weren't seen as easily and since they couldn't reach the grapes, they would chew at the root of the plant. They would gnaw, they would dig up the root of the plant. The large fox could actually take out some grapes. The small fox could actually take out your orchard or vineyard. So the small foxes were much more dangerous than the larger foxes. And this passage is saying to be careful to catch, to, to, to catch those small foxes because they could ruin your, your orchard. They could ruin your relationship. They could ruin the foundation of who you are. These small foxes could be subtle things that are coming into your life, but they had the potential to take a major crop. They could be areas of compromise in our lives, Things that we have tolerated over the years, things that we have allowed into our lives that we would have not allowed into our lives ten years ago. Different situations, different circumstances, people that have come into your life. As a society we've had little foxes continually eating at our moral decay. We have more things now happening on television. Fact. It was really interesting. I was watching some TV, and even during the commercial, now I, I heard profanity in a commercial, and I always thought that there was a standard that you know if you wanted to hear profanity, it usually had to be in an evening show after a certain time when the kids went to bed. But this was in the during the evening news, profanity in a commercial, and I remember catching myself thinking, "Wow." But see, that's when the little foxes come in, there's something that's like, oh, I've never seen that before, but I guess that's going to be the new norm. And as a church, we have to be careful of a lot of these new norms because they are not only affecting our lives, but they're affecting our families. They're affecting the church in, in, as an overall, the acceptance of so many things, but it's happening so slowly think about maybe areas in our lives where we have allowed some compromise to come in. Areas maybe in our language, maybe in our thoughts, maybe in the way we do business, maybe in the way that we treat other people. Very subtle things can lead to big results. The problem is that when we say that we fall into that, we, we kind of go into Romans first chapter, verses 24 through 32. And I wanted to read to you what Paul said. It says, Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. I tell you, you know, every once in a while, just don't read through a whole passage that quickly. Sometimes when God speaks something, just stop and say, God, Am I exchanging any truth of yours for a lie? We may have a little bit more lies that we're accepting as truths than we'd like to really give credit to. So when we're going through this, it says that they have, they have um, exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they have worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Amen. Verse 26, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged sexual relations for unnatural ones. And in the same way, the men abandoned their natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with one another and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what they ought not to to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanders, God-haters. Do you realize that this week there was a story, the first convention of atheists got together, and they're trying to get everything organized so that they won't be so scattered and they can become more effective? See, we probably, it wasn't on the main headlines. And unless you really did some searching for it, you don't realize the changes that are happening to our society. They're insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Verse 32: although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve earthly death, they not only continue to do these things, very, these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. You say, wow, Pastor, that was a a really heavy passage of Scripture. We have to sometimes come and take a look at the reality of our society and what the Bible is saying about it and realizing that little foxes compromise in our lives will create a downward spiral. Not only in our lives, in our business, in our schools, everywhere that we allow compromise, there will be a downward spiral. I asked you earlier, I said think about when you were a kid. How many people would say that it is better today than when you were a child? You don't have to raise a hand if you agree or disagree. I'm just asking you to think. Is society better today than when you were a child? Is our society more moral than it was when you were a child? Is television and radio what's on the internet? Some of you didn't have internet when you were a child. But have we improved or have we downgraded in our moral society you see if we leave these little foxes to nibble away at the roots of our belief it will continue that downward spiral what do little foxes look like in our life you know pastor mark you're talking a little too figuratively what what is it that could be it could be your tongue it could be the words that you speak It could be the gossip that you continue on, that we strongly search out for. It could be the way that we we treat other people. It could be the way we long after material things. Our time with God has been exchanged for time on the internet. Or the time that we used to spend in prayer, we're now just reading a really good book. But it's supposed to, help me, there's no better book to read than God's book, okay? There are a lot of great books out there, but there are times when you are going through a difficult time, you need to go to the direct source and not the friend of a friend of a friend of a friend who wrote something from God's book. Amen. See, we've removed ourselves so many times and we think, well, it's, it's a love novel and it's romantic and it's, it's got some scriptures in it, so it will, No. Oh. If you want romantic, go read the rest of Song of Solomon, okay? Thank you for that one laugh. (laughs) Somebody's read through that book, okay? But there are little foxes in our lives that are constantly distracting, detouring our lives. Almost too insignificant to worry. And God wants us, his body, to not be dealing with those little foxes. So how... How, how do we get rid of these little foxes in our lives? Thankful that you asked. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts 28 verses 1 through 6. This is about Paul. And it says, Once safely on shore we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness, and they built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of uh, bushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. And when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects." the people expected him to swell up or to suddenly fall dead but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him they changed their minds and said he was a god now i love this passage <laughs> because <laughs> first off let's let's take it from paul's side Paul had, has been beaten, he's been stoned, he's been gossiped about. You want to talk about a good soap opera, just do the story of Paul, okay? Every day, there had to have been setups where people were trying to kill him and, and miracles that were happening in his life. But here he's in a shipwreck. Not only is he in a shipwreck, but then they get put on this island of Malta. They get greeted by friendly people and they're treating him nicely and he, he's out, Paul's out working and he's bringing some firewood in to put on the fire and all of a sudden the snake hits it. And what does he do? He shakes it off into the fire. Now, all the villagers are like, "See? knew he was guilty. knew something was going to happen." So go get the family because this is going to be better than anything that's on island television tonight. So everybody gathers around. They're like, "This guy's going to puff up like a bluefish." And nothing happens. And they keep hanging around. And I think that the longer they kept waiting for something to happen, the more their curiosity was like, Paul, this this guy should be puffed up by now. What's going on? I don't know. I've never seen that before. And they must have known that type of snake, knowing that it was going to cause that ill effect. What we don't see here is that Paul said, God, Okay, I give up, okay? I've just been trying to do some good things for you. I've been beaten, I've been stoned, I've been shipwrecked, I'm cold, I'm hungry, and now you had a snake bite me, I just give up. Is that in your Bible? Because I didn't read that passage. I don't know what version you, but I don't see that. Do you see that? I don't also see Paul dropping down to his knees and saying, oh God, have mercy. Remove this poison from my body. Did did you read that in your passage? Because I don't see that in my passage either. He takes this thing and takes it over to the fire and he shakes it off. There was authority in Paul's action. Do you realize that? There was authority in Paul's knowledge of God. Paul knew God so much. Knew that he still had a plan and a purpose for him to go to Rome. That this snake, and let's look at the symbolism of the snake here, okay? We all know what the snake represents, but he shakes this off into the fire. Now, how many of us, when we are getting latched onto Satan, just go over and say, you know what, Satan, I've had enough, and shakes it into the fire of God. You will not touch this body. You will not touch this child of the Most High God. We freak out. We give up. We blame God. We start accusing others. Not Paul. Not in this situation. He had the strength and knowledge of God to say, you know what? You uncircumcised Philistine. See, I love that part when David talks to Goliath. You, you got to see that David is probably looking up at this guy, okay? Thinking, and, and Goliath is spewing all kind of profanity at him. He goes, you uncircumcised Philistine. To me, that has to be one of like the best... I'd like to see Rambo do that, like, you know, <laughs> never mind. Okay, sorry. It was funny in my mind. So, so Paul shakes this off into the, to the fire. We all have baggage. We all have things in our lives that we're not proud of. We have allowed little foxes to come into our, our workplace, into our, our marriage, into our, our home. We've allowed little foxes to influence our children. We've allowed little foxes to in, in, uh, come into our neighborhood. And we've just dealt with it and dealt with it, and we've seen downward spirals in, in relationships. We've seen the downward spiral in our, in our homes. We've seen downward spirals in our work, our school. And it's time that we... Identify these little foxes and we shake them off into the fire of God. We get rid of them. Enough's enough. No more. There's no more torment in my home. We start declaring the word of God. There's no more torment in my body. I start declaring God's word. There's no more confusion in my mind. I start declaring God's word. There's no more lack in my home because God says he's my source. There is a time where we have to stand up and say there is going to be no more little foxes in my vineyard. Thank you. We don't want to watch them running through because they know they're there to destruct, to destroy, to, to take down our vineyard, our lives, our relationships. Whatever symbolism you want on this, we have to address it. God has given us a responsibility. And Satan knows that responsibility. God, Satan knows the power that once you tie into realizing who you are in Christ, and that you can go around shaking these snakes that bite you into the fire, That scares Satan. So he surrounds you with negative people. He surrounds you with a negative culture so that you never develop into whom God called you to be. But the Holy Spirit will empower us. The Holy Spirit will strengthen us. See, God's going to hold us accountable, not the world, to take care of those little foxes in our lives. I can't take care of the little foxes in your lives and you can't take care of any little foxes in my life. But the Holy Spirit in me can take care of these foxes if I will cry out to him and say, God, I'm tired of compromise in my life. I'm tired of lack in my walk with you. I'm tired of not seeing effectiveness in my prayers. I'm tired of being tired, God. I need your strength. See, it's those sincere prayers that God responds to. When we are saying it's not about us, it's about him moving through us. You see, a lot of times we like to beat our own chest and say, Look at what we did. And I know we don't physically say it, but we do it in our actions. And God's saying, You know, when you get rid of all of that pride and you're ready to come see me, I'm ready to move. I'm ready to shake some of those little snakes off into the fire to fulfill God's plan. So, how much do you believe what I've just said? Are you here to make a difference? Are you here today in your life to make a difference? Or just to go through life and endure to the end? See, I want to look as every day as an opportunity to make a difference, not only in my family, but in the body of Christ, in my nation, wherever I can, I look for each day to make a difference. A lot of times when we are to go out and do evangelism, The word evangelism scares a lot of people. But it can be a very simple question. I think, in fact, what Austin's group does on Fridays is they basically go out with one simple question. Would you like to join us on a Bible study on Tuesday night? That's all they're asking. And many times that's led into not only salvation prayers, but people asking about whether they believe in God or don't believe in God, or their hurts come up real quickly. But see, all of you are here today because somebody invited you to not only to a Bible study or a small group or to church, but how many of us know people that need to be involved in church, that need a relationship with Jesus Christ? But we don't feel comfortable asking them, hey, would you like to come to church? Or would you like to start doing an online devotional? Would you like to start just talking each day about a scripture that that might be relevant? I'd like to pray with you. See, the world's trying to tell us, well, that's your belief. You're better off with it. But that's one of the lies, one of the little foxes that comes in because we are called to be salt and light. The Great Commission encourages us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Your world is where you live, your world is where you work, your world is your school, your world is your family, your world is your neighborhood. That's our world, and we're to go into that world and make a difference. But we will never make the difference as long as there's compromise and little foxes running around spoiling our vines. This week, I wanna challenge you something. I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you to seek out and to kill any of the little foxes that are in your life before you take on anyone else's problems or burdens. Because if we don't do some introspection in our own lives, we're not going to be effective in helping others. If there's anything in our lives that has compromised us in such a slow way that we realize that we don't have the prayer time that we used to, we don't have the desire, we don't have the love, we don't have the zeal for Christ. We don't have the energy then let's start looking at the little foxes that have stolen our joy. The little foxes that have stolen our hope. The little foxes that have come in and have have destroyed our our, um, beliefs in Almighty God. God has created each person here to produce fruit. Each of us. David? All of us are here for a reason, and all of us have a purpose. This message today is just talking about getting rid of little foxes in our lives. I can't tell you what little foxes are in your lives, but you'll know them. Especially, and if you say, I really don't know where compromises come, would you be bold enough to pray, God, show me where compromises happened in my life? And I think you might get a list a little bit longer than you really expected. God surprises me every once in a while. It shows me things I haven't even thought of in 10, 15, 20 years. And it was unresolved issues back then. And he brings it to my memory so that I can go ahead and resolve it. Because if you remember a couple Sundays ago, I I mentioned about getting over the hurts of the past. And if a name is mentioned or a situation is mentioned and, and hurt comes, that means that there hasn't been healing in that. And ask God for healing in that situation. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. Would you just take a moment right now and ask God, is there any compromise in my life? Have I allowed Satan through little foxes to come in to destroy the vines? In my life, my relationship with Christ, in my marriage, in my work, in my school, in my neighborhood, anything... Just take a look at your life and ask God to reveal. And if there are areas of hurt, would you ask him for healing in that situation? Would you ask him for peace in that situation? Would you ask for forgiveness in that situation? You know, forgiveness is an easy word to pray for, but sometimes not only do we need to receive it, but we need to give it. And maybe God's telling you to forgive someone who's hurt you. Maybe you're asking for forgiveness from somebody you hurt. You might say, hey, Pastor Mark, I don't have the strength to do what you asked me to do. And I think that would be a very honest statement because we were not designed to be able to do everything. That's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to not only come into our lives if we'll invite them, him to be our savior and our Lord, but also that the Holy Spirit would strengthen us Some of us need the Holy Spirit to be strengthening our lives right now because of the battles that we've been going through, the weakness that we've been encountering. So when you say, you know, Pastor Mark, I don't have the strength to do what you've asked me to do, then would you pray that the Holy Spirit would move through you, that the Holy Spirit would give you the strength? You see, the gospel is very simple. We're all born sinners. And sin cannot be in the presence of God. And there had to be a perfect sacrifice, a perfect lamb. And that perfect lamb was Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for us and rose from the grave and took the keys of death. And now is at the right hand of the Father, praying and interceding for us. But Jesus Christ is coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back very soon to this world. I truly believe that we're in the end days. And he's coming back for his body. And I'm inviting you to become a part of that body, that family, by asking him into your heart as Lord and Savior. Would everybody pray with me this prayer? But some of you might really be saying it for the very first time. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner And I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. I pray this week That little foxes are going to be revealed to you. And you're going to know when those little foxes are revealed. See, that's going to be my prayer for you that this week. That you'll realize some areas of compromise. And that we'll address that. Next week is my pre-Thanksgiving message. I love the week before Thanksgiving. There is so much in the Bible about having a thankful heart, a thankful spirit. Having a a, a spirit of of thankfulness living so i invite you back i'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss also danny and his son lane are going to be fully tearing down today so um, please many of you all help out with the chairs but if you could help out with any of the nursery or such we don't want them to be here for a lot longer than after we leave so ask where's Danny's out at the sandboard wave Danny lanes back there with him just ask him what can I do to help be a blessing to them let me speak this blessing over you and may the Lord bless you and protect you may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you and may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace So go now in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you so very, very much.